So welcome to my podcast. My name is Tim Price and in a series of interviews I'm going to be sitting down with various leaders from the pharmaceutical giant Merck or Merck Shop and Dome and exploring a little bit about uh, people's pasts, their journey to leadership and much more. Enjoy. So in today's interview, I'm sat together with Mauricio Campos, who is an IT leader um, based out of Lucerne in Switzerland, and somebody I've known for a while, but I look forward to finding out a little bit more um, and discovering his journey. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to podcast number two. I have Mauricio Campos with me. Thank you, Mauricio, for joining. Thank you, Tim. Um, so I've known you a number of years, but I probably don't know that much about you. So why don't we go back? Argentina, born in Buenos Aires? Yes, I'm born in the 78 in Buenos Aires. Um, I grew up in a family of one brother, two sisters uh, in Buenos Aires, in the neighborhood that pretty much middle class neighborhood, not in the right city center and quite in the suburbs, uh, middle class. Okay. And mom and dad, your dad, what was? What did your dad do? Dad uh, was a police officer. Uh, at the time I born, my mom, housewife, slash teacher when she, she was very young, but then leaving her profession when she got kids. Which is a full-time job, let me tell you. Okay, so what, what was it like growing up? Growing up in Argentina, well, I born in 78, um, and in that period, you know, Argentina was going through a dictatorship. Um, it was quite a tough moment from, from the country later I learned. Um, a World Cup that probably in the 78 really mean much more than only a World Cup for, for the government. Um, growing in that environment of concern at home and outside uh, on, in the society probably kind of start from the early ages, now that I see it back, um, just to shape my character. And 82 was another World Cup, but in that one, Argentina was in a, in a big mess with the war that also that government took the country into. Um, I remember one of the, my very first memory at that time was like, everybody was so happy at the time of the, the, the launch, that crazy war, that and this, this is the Falklands War, right? The Falklands yep. War, the yeah. Mel, uh, Melvi- was, what Malvinas, the, yeah, the Malvinas. Malvinas. Okay, yeah. Because the main point was that recovering a land that supposed to belong to Argentina like two hundred years ago, but with no reason more than supporting the the dictatorship to continue in power. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of propaganda since the '78 World Cup was propaganda driven. Indeed. And, and then, then the Malvinas or the, the Falklands War was... was the continuation, probably, yeah. but didn't turn out to be so uh, so good plan for, for that government because, you know, they, they lost it and they lost all the popularity and and then democracy came. And that, I remember, was one of my super excitement moments talking with my aunt about the election. I was, like, super excited, everybody in the street. Um, yeah, kind of... Uh, Totally new life coming. And I'm quite one of my very first memories on that. Yeah. Okay. And did, did your parents have strong political views or no, fairly neutral? at all. At all. 
And funny enough, because all my family, or my brother and my sister, we do have very strong, but not my mom and dad. No, okay. they were pretty much easy with it. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so you, a young Mauricio campus, heads into school. What was what was the school environment like? A school, preschool was fantastic. I remember very clear that I have beautiful teachers and very nice and, and beautiful environment in general. But then I, I left that I, when I was six, I, I went to a Catholic school that uh, was um, not private, uh, but semi-private, it kind of uh, co-funded, that was very good education in general. But I remember the first year teacher was extremely cold as a human being with kids, especially at such a short age. And I remember crying every day, because not, not because of me misbehaving, but she was screaming to everybody every day. And I coming back home every day because I, I couldn't stand that environment that was quite toxic, <laughs> if I think. Somebody that loved the job they were doing just, just <laughs> shows the impact you can have. And what, what sort of size classes were you in was it were you 30 kids were yeah you 30 kids 30 okay. kids it was okay. uh, normally mid low class not expensive school at all um, and you know I, I don't think that anybody or most of the people were motivated the teacher to be there but i remember i fall in love with the second year teacher she was like super passionate about what she she did i remember like doing game i was like night and day coming from the first uh, great uh, into that environment but eventually I, I I fall into be very shy or uh, introvert and I was not like that when I was in preschool and then I discovered through the years that probably that was a reaction to the environment more than myself but at some stage I strongly believe back then that I was super shy and I should sit in a corner and not interact with anybody okay interesting and and this went, I mean, so we, let's say we get to the age of 16, are you still the same? Were you starting to open up? I, I, I think that the a big change was when I was 13 and, you know, mom and dad got getting divorced and I, I got into, I don't know how, but I got to ask my mom, I want a, a guitar and she brought me a bass guitar, but was great because <laughs> I ended up loving that instrument. So you wanted the Jimmy Page Indeed. 6 or 12 string and you got the uh, <laughs> the Phil Linnett full string bass. Okay. Yeah, but then, you know, Red Hot Chili Pepper became cool. Uh, you know, that's what I was doing and I loved that bass. Um, and doing music uh, as a way to express myself was my main connection with the world. Uh, because I was not so good connecting with people, but I used music. And that way I started joining bands from that age, uh, making concerts on the, on the roof of, of my house. And, you know. and, and what sort of music are we talking about here? I start with funk music, a bit pop, but very soon I move into Metallica Mega style, very trash metal. Holy <laughs> cow. And dressed as a... Hard rocker? Yeah, indeed. Metallica star. Uh, growing my hair, my dad hated that. And I like it more. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the more <laughs> he hated it. And that's where, you know, got into heavy metal. Okay. And were you, and so your parents divorced, were you living with your dad or your mum? No, actually, <laughs> was it 
planned to be get divorced, but they went back together. They were like really hating each other, but they still they they decide to to get back together. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, and music taste today is the same, or have you moved on? Shall we say? I, I move on several times, but I think that now I integrate everything. I have a different day for every single type of music. So, I eventually, I, I started playing jazz music, and I become more into that style, and I love the improvisation, you know, getting together every second night we used to go to a cafe that has a stage and it's like jump session that everybody improvise from the very moment uh, that they're going into a stage and you invite people, new musicians every single night, different people and that dialogue that the jazz has and okay. conversation that was mind-blowing for me and I did it that until I was 18, 20 when I got hard into university. Okay. And and in, in Argentina, at 18, are you specializing in certain subjects by that age? Or? Yes, uh, accounting. That was my specialization in school. And that was supposed to be my path. But I had a teacher, that a math teacher, that still I, I, I have, I'm keeping in touch with him. Uh, he saw in me something that he talked with me about the opportunity to get into the engineering school because he saw something on me that really could make a match. I couldn't really, that didn't resonate with me at that stage, but somehow I feel that that person really was a big mentor in a way at very early stage on, on that path. And, it, and it's interesting, I mean, the impact a good teacher can have on young people's lives when they're that, passionate and they see something in it in in young kids but the same within a work environment right when you come across a leader that is passionate about what they're doing and brings a coaching type mentoring aspect to to the lives of people the impact can be huge as against the other teacher you mentioned the the when you're five years old and this lady that obviously didn't like kids what is she doing in a job that she doesn't doesn't enjoy so interesting it's a great point you never know how much impact you can have on people's life mm, absolutely the impact just walking in a room can be huge uh but the impacts and the beliefs that you can put into or the doubts that you can put into into people's lives can be can be huge so i have a lot of respect for the teaching uh profession absolutely okay So you're born in Buenos Aires, uh, but are you the one from the family that's flown the nest and moved on, if you like? In in a way, my mother, uh, my family, of course, they they you know uh, miss us a lot uh, yeah. in the sense of the the, the kids and uh, myself. But in a way, the situation is never easy in in those countries, and I think that from both angles. Uh, family is super supportive and happy where we are. So you land in Spain and 
both looking for a job or just you or how, how does only that i was able to to look for a job because actually um my family is also half spanish so that's where i got the chance to look for a job my wife um actually we got married right away just to get all the work permits done in a record time probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she after that got a job uh, was a great period for for building something from scratch in spain because it was a booming economy uh, full of opportunities. Okay. And you, I believe you were at Pfizer, right? You joined Pfizer at some stage? Yes. And my first job in, in Spain was like selling cell phones. And I was not happy with that. And then I joined another company to do some programming. Eventually, you know, I felt that those local companies, small companies, was not a good fit for me. Didn't bring the excitement that I, I would like to, to, to fit in my life. And that's where I proactively start working every lunch break, going for interviews everywhere, just to knock every door and to find somewhere who, you know, might offer something interesting for me. And I got to Pfizer by by a colleague of mine that kind of shared with me the, the, the job offer. But I knew nobody in the company. Um, I got there and I was waiting. I remember the day of the interview, I was waiting and I had to go because I, I have a very strict schedule on the work that I was doing. And then I say, okay, I, I need to go. Sorry for that. I cannot stay waiting for the interviewer. And I was waiting at the bus stop. I remember that day, it's kind of rainy and, and then I say, you know what, I need to go back here because even if I, I got on time to my job, it doesn't matter because I don't like that thing. And so mm -hmm. I went back, went through the interview, and it was perfect, right? The, the job offer and also uh, I, I, it was a, a good impression that I gave to them, and, and they hired me right away. They, the same day I have an offer on my desk. Funny enough, um, good enough, because that same day I was kind of getting fired almost because getting late to work from the other company. It's a funny how thing, just turning around at the bus stop, something uh, something felt right. Intuition told you to, to go back. And Fully, was it yes. the, what was it about the job at Pfizer? Was it was it because it was an IT role or was it because it, of the business area in, in sciences or what I was the attraction? I knew by then that pharma was what I really like to do. Uh, from the purpose perspective, why we do what we do was for me the, the mm -hmm. most excitement part. So I, I decided that I, I want to go back to pharma. And Pfizer was the, the option that I got that time. And, and I say, great, it was an international offer because actually I was driving the data warehouse for all Europe, most of the work done out of UK. So I say, fantastic, that's what I want. <laughs> okay. And so Pfizer, Pfizer Merck, so you joined Merck from Pfizer. What, what is, what, from a culture point of view, what's, what's the big gaps or differences between Pfizer and, and Merck? It's a big difference, right? Or at least it was back then. For me, um, getting into a consensus that is a great value that we do have in MSD was not necessary every day in, in the previous job. And that we're adapting to that culture and that pace and, and that consensus, bringing everybody up to speed to what you want to do, proposing and dialogue, that was something was a kind of a shift okay. from a mindset perspective when I, I joined MSD. Okay, and you joined 
MSD better job offer, or how, how did the how did the job come around there? Yes, the, the job was a promotion for me. It was like a, a next level, and it really uh, speak to me from the experience that I have in Pfizer on CRM, and that was the, the the big excitement that we were planning to roll out something critical for the company that was having an international expansion and that in the international exposure that I was looking for me. Okay. So it, it sounds to this point, you there's been a lot of, um, from a technology point of view, the opportunity, the data warehousing, the CRM. What about from a leadership, people management leadership point of view? What are you picking up at this stage? Or is it starting to pique your interest in terms of people management and development and leadership? At that time, it was my complete blind spot. And I realized when I joined Merck, actually, my that people was not my strength at that time. And that where somehow over that period and the following years, I, I really had the chance to expose myself more into the leadership role where, you know, make me wonder that I really need something else to to grow. Okay. Because grow grow you have when you when you look at I mean your interest and your passion around people and organizational design and leadership. Um, so Turkey Turkey opened up actually whilst I was still there, so we it, it was merger time, right? With with sharing, and we were looking for an IT account lead in in Istanbul. Um, and your, I'll be honest, your name came up from Paolo. Obviously, I'd heard about you, Paolo Batone. I trust one hundred percent. So we spoke on the phone, and for me, just the way you you came across in terms of passion for what you wanted to do. It was a no-brainer, but I was throwing you into the lion's den to a certain extent. Maybe hindsight showed me that, but but you were thrown into totally different environment. What was that like landing in Istanbul? Somebody asked me recently why I did that step from Madrid, very much European mindset into something that is more uh, diverse and different from, from what I was exposed before. And I, I think that the, the, the reason was to look for that excitement, right, where I can find my growth. And diversity for me is a big component of that. When I got into Istanbul, I, I got to be exposed to much more diversity than I have on my previous jobs either in, in Argentina or in, in Spain, and, and really that was amazing. Uh, finding those point of view, at the same time, very challenging, because from the people perspective, I, I recognize now that I was not skilled enough to deal with that uh, complexity and that diversity, and that took me a while, but I think that helped me as well to learn and to develop the skill by doing hands-on training. <laughs> Yeah, because I was going to ask you that the best way to learn is to is to fail, right? Uh, putting yourself out there, um, getting uncomfortable. What what were one or two big lessons you took from from the experience there? The number one lesson is like you need to give time to the time and to walk the talk and to to first. Even I'm super excited on everything I do to take the time to digest, to give time to the environment, to, to yourself, to immerse in the experience, to feel what's going on. Okay. And secondly, from the people perspective, motivation is totally different, right? We can assume that what we read in the books is universal or there are universal way to motivate people, but that's not correct. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, different cultures, what motivates you may not motivate someone else. And I know you, I know you do a lot of reading and, and in this area. So what, if you, if you rolled the clock back, what would, is, what would you do differently in Istanbul tomorrow if you went back there? If I look back, probably I will take more time to, to assess the field before jumping into conclusion. That's something that I learned as I was very proactive, very excited to bring new ideas that could help potentially, but was not necessarily the, the fertile terrain. And secondly, from the people perspective, I think that I managed to build very strong team and intimacy within the team. But at the same time, we were missing some bridges uh, on how to bridge uh, and connect with people outside of that team. And that where that could be probably one of the things that I will do different if I yeah. go back. Oh, I, and I, because I certainly remember coming to Istanbul and having one of my great learning experiences with the senior vice president. I don't know if you remember, we walked into a, into a meeting or we got invited to come to a meeting a little bit earlier than anticipated and you could walk in that room and smell, I don't know what you smell, I smell fear. Um, and, it, and I will never forget that meeting and the mistake I made of not managing, not managing it correctly and putting both you and I in a situation where we, di we didn't need to, to be in. Um, but you learn from it. You probably, I will probably never make that mistake again. So, uh, okay. So from Turkey, you headed back to Switzerland, right? Yes. Into a job that did it exist or how did that work? Yeah, I moved to Switzerland. The job didn't exist. And actually I kind of learned that I could even define my own role. And that was a good lesson because normally we assume that the job are being defining, predefined by others and, and you just sit there and do whatever they ask you to do. But the space that I got at that moment in the organization allowed me to realize that there was a lot of value that I could bring from myself and from my own ideas on how to drive value from the technology perspective, but also human perspective that was not necessary on the plans of anybody. But as I was doing my stuff, I managed to build that credibility that allowed me to do my job in the way that I did it. Okay. Because you, you then pick up the big region, right? You pick up emerging markets with a, I don't know what your team was, 30 people? I, I don't even know. But I remember you calling me pretty soon after you, you got the role, and I didn't know, uh, and you were like, you were very excited. Would I be willing to come in and help coach you and your team? And I remember coming to the meeting in Lucerne and seeing a lot of familiar faces, but some other faces that I didn't know. And the way, the transformation I saw from your early days in Turkey to standing in front of that room with a very clear view on, on people, number one, uh, for me was a big was a big wow this is a this is a big shift so did you did you was that a deliberate thing that you were you were putting in place or you were you unconscious about that no in, in a way i think that is a part of 
learning and growing that I've been exposed since I was in Turkey uh, on coaching, but also mindfulness and yoga. I think that that created me like muscles to to be more aware of what's going on, not only on myself, but also on others in the room itself. And I felt that where I want to stand in front of this team to bring a different mindset, more energy, to bring some purpose on what we do and enjoying what we do. That was my main thing on, on that day. And, it, and I think it, it came across that day and then subsequently the, the, the follow-ups. People, people, I think, were probably a little bit wary, first of all, because it was something new. Um, it, we certainly didn't go to that level when I, when I was at Merck. So it was change, but the way you introduced it, I think people now open their eyes to it and see the, see the value in it. So hats off for that, absolutely. Um, so what are you... What are you hungry for at the moment? I'm probably didn't change the eagerness of keep on growing and developing. I think that it won't change ever. And I'm right now going through a very intense program, executive MBA that consuming my nights and evenings and <laughs> weekends, but bringing me deep satisfaction of what I'm doing. Um, thinking as well on the next thing that I want to do to keep on growing and that growing and development path, that's what I'm hungry of. Um, why? Because I feel that that brings back to, to my environment, to personal and professional life on the way that I can show up every day. And that's for me, is the biggest satisfaction to be feeling, to be conscious on where I am, how do I feel, and to show up the best way I could every day. How, and how would you describe your leadership today? What, if, I, if I asked you for three words to describe your leadership style, what, what would you put out there? Leadership is a big word. Right. Yep. But if you ask me how do I want to be perceived when I show up in the world, probably I would say that mindful means a lot to me. It's not only because of my own mindfulness, internal feelings and emotion and what's going on, but also around me and how I come across that a caring person. That's my main concern when I lead in a team. Uh, being also connected with people, being present, that has all those characteristics that I see on, on mindfulness. Then about, uh, it's a, probably a word that has been used a lot, outside of the box, thinking. That for me means like really to bring ideas that are not necessarily mainstream, but where I strongly believe on, on the value of, of those things that I can transmit to the team that this is something we, we might want to explore. Maybe we are wrong. But here is something to explore, something new, something excitement. And that, for me, at the end, leads me to, to bring that excitement and fun and enjoyment, everything I do. And the environment blossoms in positive energy when you bring that type of attitude to work. Yeah, yeah and because the out-of-the-box thinking, are we, is Merck shifting more towards, towards this slowly because... It was a little bit traditional, and the out-of-the-box thinkers were 
scorned upon a little bit. Is it opening up now, do you think? I agree, I agree. I think that it's not only because we want it, but we must. Uh, and think that uh, the rapid change in every area, what we do, is forcing us to, to rapidly adapt. And I think that that is part of the journey. Um, uh, and people that are bringing new ideas, new way of doing that can bring fantastic value. Mm. Okay. And it's because the mindfulness and the you mentioned just the word presence. So I was on I was on this leadership retreat last week, and presence was a big part of it. Are we are we present? Are we in this moment? And the leaders could tell when certain people just weren't there. Now, they may look the same, but they were not present. And so it it's a big thing with with all the distractions that we have from technology. Funnily enough, people are not present very often so getting grounded on that is is absolutely critical yeah and the yoga yoga also plays a big part right it does i discovered that early days as purely exercise when i was still in spain but rediscovered that in turkey through some amazing teachers that really show me that yoga is all about mindfulness and the exercise is secondary i really became part of my day-to-day practice an integral part, even when I travel, when bad day, good day, trying to keep that consistent, that helped me a lot with um, being present. Um, stopping a bit that monkey mind that we have, that jump between the future and the past constantly and keep us worried about what's going on and, you know, regretting about the past or what we have done. And that moment and that type of practice with deep exercise and also deep breathing helped me to to bring that mind all the time to the present remind myself to that and and you bring yoga into the office i know you've been you still do classes is it fridays you do yoga sessions in i take a step towards bringing yoga to the office when i was going actually through one of these development courses that uh, deal with change management. I, I really felt that you know, I was missing to bring something that I really value to my work environment and there was no reason why not to do it. And I, I was certified yoga teacher. <clears throat> I said, why not? It's, it's, it's a good opportunity. And people came along with that and, and they really enjoy it. And, and every Friday we were meeting just to, to practice and people really appreciate it. Right now, I stopped due to time constraint, but absolutely something that I'm sure I'm going to bring back. It, and it's interesting because, it, once again, that you have passion for it, and a lot of people probably have a passion for a lot of different things, but they don't take that step of doing something about it. And so taking that step, you know what? This is something I love. Why would I not do it in the office? And all of a sudden, it's it wasn't that... I'm assuming it wasn't that difficult, right? You get started and people... And it's like, why don't why don't people do more of what they're passionate about? What is it that stops them? Yes. Agree. And that's what brings satisfaction to every single day. As soon as you do more of what you like, yeah, you're yeah. feeling more energetic and time is not a constraint anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah. Okay. So what were you if you uh, if you were gonna give a 24-year-old Mauricio Campos advice today as he starts out on the journey, what, what advice would you give yourself? 
and I don't know which country, are you in Canada at this stage, you're in Mexico, you've been around, but... <laughs> I was probably starting to realize about many things at that age, but probably the biggest advice <clears throat> that I learned later in life, trust your intuition and the, the path in life gonna build around it. Um, I, I, f I did that actually, I, I trust my intuition at every step, but I didn't knew that that would be the right thing. I, I just did it because felt good, but I, I, there's a lot of knowledge and wisdom in that intuition and that gut feeling. Yeah. And intuition's a one of those senses that we don't we don't use or people don't use that often. You can't really explain it, but something's telling you to go in that direction and then you can either listen to that voice in your head that's going to stop you doing it, or some people just say, Doof, and they go for it. Blink, I don't know if you read the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. He's, it's a little bit around how do people make these decisions in the, in the blink of an eye. So, okay. Okay, well, it's been fantastic. Some great insights. What a journey. So Switzerland's probably not your last port of call. Any, any countries you'd like to live and work in? I Would you go home, for example? Would you go back to Argentina? Yeah, um, in a way, I, I don't think that I can tell. Today, life demonstrates to me that as soon as you start planning, there might be things that you might miss, opportunities, chances that you might miss in because you're too stuck in your planning and your head. I'm more now into the strong belief that to pay attention to life and the journey and the, what life brings as opportunities. Maybe people, maybe environment, maybe job opportunities. It's always being aware of what's going on just to uncover your next step. In the, in the big picture, I strongly believe on Dharma or, 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 or path or Tao, different cultures call it differently, but it's the same meaning. It's like your life. And, and that's for me has a big meaning and that is kind of uncover as you go on with your day to day that's where mindfulness also brings some some strong meaning for me because as as much as you are present you can really be aware of what the new opportunities might be small opportunities yeah. small things that will bring the next thing in life yeah some people like to plan ahead but then they probably miss out on some other perspectives because they got their head down going in in one direction so you prefer to in the moment where am i what's around me what's going on yes that's in a way speak to me in the in every moment because we are changing all the time even from the purely physical perspective all our cells are renewing all the time our mind change all the time we get exposed to new people new mindset and we change and things that we can plan five years ago make no meaning tomorrow right yeah. and that's where i'm heading okay and argentina do you think you'd ever go back and live there latin america and argentina is part of that world um it's a place that i love a place that has a lot of emotional connection of course from the family as well perspective but i don't think that i still i don't think that i can grow there or my kids could grow there at the pace that I, I would like them to grow or myself to grow. And that makes me think that probably it's not the right place 
or the right moment for thinking on going back there. But again, back to, to be aware of what's going on in life, who knows? Because I think that um, those are the part of the world where there has so much to, to be done, so much to discover, yep. from, especially from people and mindfulness perspective. So much that many amazing people are doing, but as well so much to be done there that is a motivation as well. And a bit different than Switzerland, I would imagine. I mean, the, the life in Switzerland, you're... You've been there how long now? Three years? Six years Six in years? Switzerland, yes. And I love the culture, town culture uh, that is, you know, you know everybody, everybody, you see them every day, and a small town. Okay. So it's a, a, a community type aspect. It's a it. community, yes. Yeah. A community aspect. And, and very much quiet community, if I compare that with the community that you can think on Latin America, but silly community. Um very smiling people that say hello to everybody in the street. And, and that's something amazing coming from a big city like Buenos Aires. Yeah. And is it that uh, that's local people or are you in an expat environment? This is local? Everybody's super friendly. Our neighbors are all locals, uh, but mainly we, we have more deep relationship uh, with expat community, people that are also in the same need of connecting with others because they don't have families or friends local and more open to to connect with others okay and and the kids i mean how how they're young right the, the youngest is they're young two and three years old okay yeah so from a language point of view they are where so i i decided then also my gut feeling told me that it was a good idea to start speaking English to them and my wife speaks Spanish to them because we want them to get early exposure to, to language the diversity. Um, now they are speaking both. Of course, the two years old starting to do so, but uh, they pick up very fast. Um, our assumption is that in the school they're going to get exposed now to, to German and that will go on starting next September. So finger crossed that will go alone as we expect. But again, gut feeling, never had any training on how to raise those kids in in such an environment. (laughs) Is your wife learning German or? We try, but it's also a specific local German that is called the Swiss German that is especially complicated. And we didn't have the motivation till now, but now with the school starting, there's an extra motivation for us to get into that. Beautiful. Okay, well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Quite a journey. It's still not over. You've still got a long way to go, but really engaged, uh, really enjoyed engaging with you and listening a little bit of where you've been and why you've been to certain places. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Tim.